If you have your Bible handy with you, you'd like to read along with me. I'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 again this evening as we continue to look at some things that I refer to as kind of grassroots in terms of Christianity and our lives, who and what we are before God and how we do that. And I think it's something that that's easy for us to digest, easy for us to understand, but I think especially needed. I call the lesson Vessels of Honor, and you'll get the gist of that as we go along, picking up in verse 7. Verse 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul writes, But we have this treasure. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have this same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I think that's some of Paul's most beautiful writing in a way. There's others that stands out beauty. But that idea of what we are and who we are. In that idea, and he says, earthen vessels. You know a clay pot. You know what a clay pot is. Many of you got them around your home, got them in different places. You see them. A clay pot has little value for anything outside of producing or being a place to, to put a beautiful plant. That's what they're for. That's what they're needed for. That's what we use them for. Now, some people use them for decorating and so forth, but primarily that's what a clay pot's all about, and they're ideal for that. One of the best things in the world to put a plant in is in one of those old orange clay pots. It's just amazing how they work. But what is it good for if it doesn't have a plant in it? Consider Consider, consider the unknown, or what would be unknown. Think about this. Think how many places in the world would be relatively unknown if some individual wasn't born there, if some event didn't take place there, or something like that. I mean, what would we know about Nashville if it wasn't for country music? You know, think about that. What would we know about Hollywood? It'd just be another part of greater Los Angeles, except some early movie makers wanted to avoid the patents of Thomas Edison, and they could get by it in California, and so they moved to California to be able to make their movies, and they found these open fields and places and so forth. But now we know as Hollywood, and started making their movies there. Think about it. 
in Las Vegas. Las Vegas would just be another town in the desert, maybe a few workers there that helped build the dam not far away, the Boulder Dam, later Hoover Dam. Las Vegas would just be another town of uh, reasonable size in the area if some people like and some criminal types like Bugsy Siegel hadn't seen the opportunity for gambling and entertainment and gone in there and begun that work, and so we have the Vegas of today. I'm not saying everything's great that way, but what would we know about them? And would you na- know the name of Max Yasger? If he hadn't lived in Woods- the area of Woodstock, New York in 1969 and allowed his dairy pasture to be used for a music festival... You see, there are a lot of places and a lot of things we wouldn't know about if they weren't used for a specific purpose, clay pots. Did you know that during the time of, uh, from 1943 to 1946, the United States built, built 3,970, 3,970 B-29 superfortresses. Almost all of them had names. Almost all of them had names. Two of them still fly today uh, and all, and I was going to remember the names of those, but I somehow it slipped away from me. I can't even remember their names now. But a lot of us remember one of them, the Enola Gay. And the reason we remember that one B-29 superfortress, if you remember it at all, is because it was used to drop the atomic bomb on Hiroshima. Otherwise, who would remember the Enola Gay outside of the guys who were around it and flew in that plane on a regular basis? I'm just trying to tell you again and again that there are things that have a certain value, they're, they're worthwhile, but we don't notice them much, they don't serve a, the purpose much, not that these other B-29s did, and that's not my point, but you understand what I'm saying. We remember them, we hold on to them, they have value to us because of some purpose that was used, because they fulfill something, and that's what we're talking about in clay pots. There is a great concept. There is a great concept of value being associated with the job that someone has or the job that someone does and is being done. The point is really about you and me as we look at our lives and we recognize our lives. We each have value. There is something intrinsically valuable in us. When you think about it, God made us, made us in his image. That makes, gives us value. He made us. We're his. That gives us some value. But there's even more. There's even more. It's the production of our lives that identifies and multiplies that value. You heard the words of Paul. Verse 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. It multiplies the value. What is he saying? He's saying, we are vessels. We are vessels. 
A vessel is a container. It's something that it holds something. And it literally, he's saying we are clay pots. We're earthen vessels. We are those clay pots that potters put on their wheel and work around and do all those things with them. Paul calls us earthen vessels, and he means clay pots. But, you know, not all clay pots are exactly the same. I know not all of them are just those orange ones that you buy cheap in the store that seem to break real easily and so forth, but are perfect for growing things. But the difference, but they have a lot of the similarity to them. For it might be that cheap orange pot, but it can grow that beautiful daisy. Or it might be that fancy vase that sits in the middle of the table that holds that beautiful, that beautiful arrangement of a dozen red roses. Or it might be that china that you only bring out on special occasions and have that special dinner it served. It might be that child. They all come from the same basic things. I, somebody says, well, this is from better and that's from better. I understand that. But each begins as dirt in the ground. Each serves a very special purpose. Without that purpose, what has it got? So you look at that clay pot and said, is there something lacking here? Think about this. There is not one life that is, has more intrinsic value than another life. We might say, well, some people serve a, a better purpose or better or, or do more or have more in some sense or another. Some people have this or have that and so forth. You know, there are people that have special blood types or this or that. But think about this. One life is not of greater intrinsic value than another, but it's what that life can put into, uh, into operation that changes that value. And you may remember the line from the movie, a very difficult movie to watch, I think, from that movie Saving Private Ryan as Cap Captain Miller is dying and he's breaking your heart. And if you were like me, the tears are going and you're just thinking, man, I can't watch anymore. But when he, when he says the words to Ryan, earn this, earn this. Make your life have value. And when you get to that, that scene at the end where he's there, where Ryan comes back to the graveside and he turns to his wife and asks her, have, have I been a good man and so forth? You think, wow, powerful, isn't it? It's not that intrinsic value that we're talking about. It's not because you've got the blood flowing in your veins. It's not because you make up so many minerals that we can measure and count them up and say your, your body and all the parts in it are worth $1.29. It's not because we can do that, because some of you aren't worth quite that much. Some of you, eh, okay. But it's what's done with that. It's what's done with that. What did Jesus say to those fishermen by the sea? Follow me, follow me, and I will make you to become. I'll make you to become fishers of men. I'm going to give some value to your life. Did their lives not have value? Just being the, the men that they were? Yeah, there was some value involved in that. But he said, I'm going to multiply value. I'm going to give you something special. There's going to be something come out of your life that has so much more value. Even before we were born, I think we are beings that are searching for, growing toward, moving in the direction of opportunity. I think one of my favorite uh, Paul Harvey stories goes in this line as well. And I'm sure I've told you before, but I know that you don't remember last week, so I'll tell you again. It's a story about a, a fellow by the name of Jack Smythe in Australia. 
he was a, a prospector, and he spent time after time prospecting, trying to find gold, trying to find gold. Finally, gave up, try, gave up, and he began to farm the land that he had been using for prospecting. It was his land. He began to farm that land. He wasn't a good farmer. Finally, ultimately, he died. He died. And then his, his land was sold, and they began to go in and tear down his house and made one of the largest gold strikes in Australia. We think, wow, he missed it. He was right there. He was right there, but he missed it. And the value was around him, but it wasn't in his life. We can say... Shoulda, coulda, woulda. And we can be a pot. Or we can serve a higher purpose. David. David did many good things in his life, we understand, as the king and everything. And, and you remember he had moved the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem after a, a, a difficult trial. And then finally he does it right, gets the Ark to Jerusalem, has everything set up for it. And then one day he looks out there and he says, you know, it's a shame. We've got... We've got this thing of God sitting out here in a tent while I live in a nice house. I want to build a temple for this, for God. I want to build a place for God here. And he calls Nathan in, and Nathan comes in. He says, I want to do this. Nathan says, do it all in your heart. The Lord contacts, confronts Nathan and says, no, you go back and tell him he's not going to do it. Nathan goes back and tells David that he's not going to do it. And there's more to the story, of course. His son will do this, and God's very caring in his way. But, but it's David's response to this. And this, this is important. David's response to all this is one when he's confronted with this idea, you're not going to build the temple. And in 2 Samuel 7, he responds to the Lord, and what does he say? Who am I? I was just a shepherd out in the field. You brought me here. You made me who I am. Who am I? Without God, without what God had given him, he was just another clay pot. But God gave him value. That's what David began to see. He began to think, well, I have great value. I am so important. And what David learned is the lesson we all need to learn. We're clay pots. And it's God who gives us value. For there is a treasure. There is a real treasure. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. The treasure is not the vessel. And treasures are treasures, whether anybody recognizes it or not, like the story of Jack Smythe, never realized the treasure was there. Jesus was an immeasurable treasure long before he ever stepped on the earth. Counted not equality with God a thing to be grasped or hung on to, but poured himself out, taking on the form of a servant, isn't it interesting that to you and to me, the value went up when he rendered himself to service? What an example that sets. For what did the writer say just a little bit earlier than that in Philippians 2? He said, have the mind in you that was also in Christ Jesus. He was willing to do this. He had all this. He was willing to do this. And here is the value. 
Paul refers to that. Paul refers to Jesus and his work of grace as a matter of unsearchable, unmeasurable is what he means, riches. That's what he's trying to get across. Whether Whether you're talking about how it gives to us or what it does and his service to God, unsearchable riches. It's not the pot. It's the treasure within it. It's not just our intrinsic value. It's what we're able to render. It's not just because we live and people like us. It's because we have something that we can give and we can share. At the tragic death of Absalom, when Joab and his army had overrun and killed Absalom, the son of David, when Joab had killed him, the message was to be sent back to David. And there were runners that had the job of carrying messages. And there was a young man by the name of Ahimehaz, and he said, I want to carry the message. And Joab said, no, you're a good man. I don't want you to carry this message. And there was another man there, a Cushite, and he said, you carry the message, you go tell David. And he took off running. But Ahimehaz, Ahimehaz said to Joab, I want to run. I want to carry the message. Finally, Joab said, but you don't have a message. He said, but I want to do it. He said, well, then run. And he took off and he ran. And he either knew a shortcut or he just outran him. And he went by the way and he got there ahead of that Cushite that had the message of the death of Absalom. And he ran and they saw the two men coming and they saw him as coming. And he got there and he got to David before the other runner got there. And David said, tell me. He said, there is a victory. He says, yes, there's a victory. And what about Absalom? And he says, I don't know anything about that. He didn't have a message. He didn't know. So he had no value. David said, stand aside. It was a tragic message, I understand. And when the Cushite came in, it was a tragic message, but it gave the value to what he was doing. Do you understand what I'm saying? We get it across. We have something of value. We have something of value, and we need to know it, and we need to grab it, and we need to use it. We, we have value, yes, in our lives. And there are few things that we know of that have greater value to us than our own lives. What would a man give in exchange for his soul? Or as Paul describes in Ephesians 5, he talks about husbands loving their wives like they love themselves. For Jesus made it clear that he and his cause, the one that he would live and die for, are worth more value than our lives. Matthew 16, 24, if any would come after me, what did he say? He must deny himself, take up his cross, that is, die to self, and follow me. That's what gives us the value. And so when you look at it and you understand that, there is a treasure. We are not the treasure. We may, we may feel like a treasure, and there may be people that count us a treasure. You know, I, I, I think... We look at our children and we say, these children are a treasure to me on the good days. No, you you know what I'm saying. And I know all you wives are looking and saying, oh, my husband, he's a treasure. Okay. We understand there is a 
treasure in a sense, the love that we share and the people and all of that. But we're talking about something even more. There is a treasure that is within us. And that's what Paul is saying. We have this treasure and it's in these clay pots that we are. And with that in mind, we then have, and the rest of the time he spends with, we have this ministry that we won't let go. We won't lose heart. We are under a directive. By choice, we are under a directive. It is a holy cause. And we cannot let go of it. We cannot surrender it. We cannot give up on it. There is no amount of persecution that can kill that cause. writer of Hebrews, speaking of Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Philippians 2.8, he became obedient, obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. There is no amount of persecution. As Paul says here, we're beaten, we're broken, we're, we're knocked around, we're kicked in and out, up and down, but we do not surrender. How did he describe it here? We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. No amount of persecution can cause us to let it go. And the purpose for the treasure is to be seen. It's to be known. It's to be recognized. It's not something we hide away. Do you ever think about it? You take that clay pot with that beautiful plant growing in it and you close it up and you put it in a room by itself and you don't let anyone see it. You close it off. No windows, no light, nothing because we don't want anybody to see it. And what happens to that plant? What happens? It dies. And all that's left is an old clay pot. The purpose for the treasure is to be seen. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh, that it can be seen and recognized. And it brings life, verse 12 tells us, it brings life to those in whom it is instilled and in those in whom that life instills faith. He goes further to say also it is a personal matter. It's not a general matter. It's not a group matter. It is a personal matter. Our individual responses, our individual responses, the thing we were talking about this morning, our individual responses are tied to how we recognize the treasure we hold and what we do about that treasure that we hold. It is personal, and it is not selfish. It is done for the sake of others. We already mentioned done for the Lord, but it is done for others as well. For all things are for your sakes, he says. It's not selfish. It's for others. That's the way this treasure works. That's what it's about. That's what we have within us. That's what we have that makes us have value. It is to be seen and used and known and blessing others. The little song the the teenagers used to sing. It's in our songbook. We've sung it a time or two. Have you seen Jesus, my Lord? Whenever that, I think about that question, I think about that judgment scene that Jesus describes in Matthew 25. 
And I think about that judgment scene. He's depicting works that were done or were not done. And in each case, they ask the question, when did we see you and do or not do to you what you're saying? And of course, the answer of the Lord back, or the master back is, when you did or did not do it to the least of these, my brethren. Did we see him? Was he seen in us? That's what he's asking. Was he seen in your life? Did it show in who you were? Paul says, we're just the pots. He is the treasure. He is what is to be seen in us, in the works that we do, in the things that we convey, in the things that we share. And so the challenge to you and to me is to be able to clearly see the vessel that we are. You need to see the vessel that you are. Because when you see the vessel that you are, you begin to see the opportunity that you have. Unfortunately, we tend to measure people by how they look, their appearance, viable talents that we appreciate, and even what, how they benefit us, whether it's they make us feel good or do for us or whatever it might be. Might leave us to wonder what value we really each have. Consider the description Jesus gives. For as he has tried to portray and make known to us, and I believe Paul is picking up on this very idea, when you go back to that, that marvelous message in the Sermon on the Mount, when he says that we are the salt, we are the light, we are that city on the hill, and it's all a result of what has been planted in us. We are under a directive by what is lived in us. So it comes down to this. We have a job and we have a purpose to fulfill. Made of the dust of the ground, we really are clay pots. And we may be simple clay pots, but as Paul describes it, we are those clay pots that have a treasure planted within us. And what a value we have and can be. We're going to sing again a song of encouragement, invitation. If there's someone who needs to respond this evening, let us encourage you to take advantage of that opportunity. It's a blessing that the Lord gives to all of us. It's an opportunity that we have. It's something that we share. It's a great reminder to those of us who are a little further down the road, but maybe there's someone here that needs that message and that invitation in particular this evening. If you do, let the opportunity be yours to come while we stand, while we sing together.